You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you all so much for welcoming me. As, as Chewie mentioned, I'm Adam Supas. Um, and I, I understand that you're having a, 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 ser- a sermon series on prayer. I, I actually listened to uh, an excellent message from Hebrews 4 this morning that I think was preached here recently, uh, encouraging us to, to, to be confident in coming to the Lord in prayer because Jesus is both God and man. Uh, so I just, prayer is like, a, and scripture is like a diamond with many facets. So today I hope we can just look at another facet uh, of that diamond of prayer and, and the diamond of scripture. But a little brief bio about uh, first. So I am um, from Arizona originally. Uh, I grew up in a gospel preaching church. Uh, as far as I can tell, uh, I, I first repented and believed in the Lord Jesus when I was 18 years old. Um, I have been a member of Redeeming Grace Church in Fairfax for the past 25 years uh, and a non-staff elder there for the past five Vocationally, uh, I am a lawyer. I have been for the last eight and a half years, or or, I'm sorry, 14 years. Um, But before law school, I worked in technology for about eight years. Uh, Lived in Northern Virginia the entirety of that time since 1997, except for a few years of law school. Married to Amy uh, for 22 years, who was Evan Reilly's second grade teacher. Um, And we have four kids, uh, uh, three boys and then a daughter. Two oldest are in college, and our third is a junior in high school. Our daughter's 12, and um, we're also foster parents, so we've gained a few additional kids over the years. Um, Actually, I need to correct myself. I said my daughter is 12. She's actually 12 and a half. Uh, She still acknowledges half birthdays, uh, and that that reminds me that we are not too far away from half Christmas. And uh, Christmas is, is culturally, is my favorite holiday. I love Christmas. Um, And when I think of Christmas in terms of the popular culture, one of the things I think about is a movie called uh, uh, Christmas Story. Has anyone heard of the Christmas Story? Yeah, it's it's not about Jesus, um, but it is a classic of American popular culture. It actually runs in 24-hour marathon showings on cable television each holiday season. So if you have nothing else to do with your time, you might consider checking it out. The, the, main, the, the main character of A Christmas Story is a, a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie. Uh, and there's, there's three things you need to know about Ralphie. Ralphie has a particular gift that he really, really wants. It's, uh, a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Red Ryder. Wait, let me, I want to make sure I get it right. It's a Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle. And so the three things you need to know about Ralphie with this rifle, one, he really, really wants that gift. Two, he thinks he knows who can help him get it. Uh, and three, he's, he's, he doesn't worry about that sort of thing. But he's going to do what he can to get that help that he needs. So he cries, he pleads, he works to get that. Uh, he asks his mom, she shoots him down, no pun intended. He writes a, a, a theme. He writes a paper for his teacher trying to persuade her what a great gift this is so she'll help him. He even goes and asks the department store Santa Claus for the gift. And everyone says to him, you'll shoot your eye out. But why am I talking about Ralphie? Well, so we're a lot like Ralphie, actually. We're all full of needs and desires. 
And if we're Christians, we know where to go find help. But we need to actually go get that help. Ralphie's need wasn't a real need, but he was desperate for it. We have real needs, deep needs. We all need the help only God gives. And ultimately, we all need God. Where do you need God? To hear you, to help you. Our passage today is Psalm 119, verses 169 to 176. I want to give you just a little context for what we're reading. Psalm 119, near the middle of the Bible, is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's essentially a short book of its own among the Psalms. It was written somewhere between 1,000 and 600 B.C. It's almost entirely a prayer, and every verse of it concerns God's word. But this single psalm covers every aspect of life, winning and losing, succeeding and failing, advancing and retreating, dealing with riches, having riches, and being in desperate need. It's poetry, and like other poetry, it's meant to stir our emotions. Psalm 119 is all about how God hears and helps his people by speaking to them through the inexhaustibly rich words of the Bible. It's an acrostic. The psalm has stanzas, and each stanza is associated with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. For right before verse 169, if you have it in your Bible, you may notice the word ta or tav. That's actually a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's the final letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is the final stanza. And if you were to look at this in Hebrew, you would see that each verse in this section begins with that letter. And as the final stanza, we expect this passage provides some measure of conclusion to the psalm. Here's the takeaway. Here's the big picture that we're going to see in our passage today. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need to let him hear us. And we need him to help us. So Miles is going to read our passage for today. My tongue will sing of your word, for all of your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. We're going to work our way through this passage in just two minutes. But first, I want to show you how these big themes of need and bringing that need to God are all over this passage. So first, I want you to see and hear. So listen, or look, or both. See and hear all the desperation, all the feeling and emotion here, all the need. All these expressions that point back to the word of God. Listen, let my cry come before you. Let my plea come before you. My lips will pour forth praise. My tongue will sing of your word. I long for your salvation. Your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. I've gone astray. Second, I want you to see and hear 
all the psalmist is asking God to do here. All requests tied to the word of God. Listen, give me understanding. Deliver me. Teach me. Help me. I long for your salvation. Seek your servant. In this passage, we see a person in desperate need and desperately bringing that need to God. This passage is an example and an instruction for us. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need to let him hear us and we need him to help us trust him. We need to let him hear us. What's going on here is that the psalmist is desperately asking to be heard by God, and he's expressing confidence that God's word will cause him to overflow, to praise, and to proclaim. He says, hear me. I need understanding and deliverance. Verses 169 and 70. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. He's crying. He's pleading in these verses. A plea is a request made in an urgent and emotional way. He's loud. Prayers that are prayed only in our minds are fine, but this one has to come out. This author is desperate. His prayer, it's like the cry of a baby. Now, I know something about crying, having cried myself, and I have four kids with distinctive cries. To be honest, one of my kids' cries actually amused me. It's not supposed to do that, but it did. It didn't sound to me like I thought a baby should sound. It sounded to me more like a, like a small lion or an angry sheep, sort of a, a meh, meh. <laughs> and I'm not a very good father, but God is a very good father, and he hears, he hears our cries. The author is asking in each of these verses that his cry and his plea come before God. Of course, God hears everything. But saying, saying this says something more. So, so think about the Supreme Court for a minute. The Supreme Court mostly decides cases that it chooses to hear. It gets about 10,000 requests a year. It hears 1% or 2% of those. So 98% of the time when someone makes a request to hear, have their case heard at the Supreme Court, it's denied. If you're one of those 98%, you have a request, and it's denied. That's all you got. It's the end of the road. But the psalmist knows that's not his situation. His cry is coming before God. He's getting that hearing. And in Christ, through Christ, we get that hearing too. He wants understanding, verse 169. From all we've read, he's got some understanding, right? But he's not settling for what he thinks he knows. Notice he says, teach me. Give me this understanding. He's not just asking for understanding. In verse 170, he's asking also for deliverance. Right? Understanding is internal, but deliverance addresses an outward circumstance. And the psalmist begs this to be according to your word. He says it twice. So understanding and deliverance that come according to God's word, are, they're always going to be in harmony with the word. Last summer, uh, we had a guest for dinner at my home, and my son said some things in the presence of that guest that I took as a criticism of me. They bothered me. They, they seemed disrespectful. And I wanted to confront him to let him know that he had acted wrongly. But I've learned that those moments where feelings are strong aren't always the best time to confront someone. So I prayed. 
I asked God for help and understanding, and I went to bed. I woke up in the middle of the night, and the feelings of frustration had subsided. But more than that, God gave me understanding according to his word. And that helped me understand my son. See, I, I thought about the situation again, and I remembered 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. And I realized that my son, who's a Christian, wasn't trying to criticize me with what he said. Instead, he was actually trying to help and, and express kindness to our guest. And that perspective, that understanding, made my conversation with my son so much better. When you need understanding or deliverance, where do you look? Your experience? Your friends? Google? Do you pray? And pray persistently. And pray desperately. Do you pray first? And do you look in the word? I can be so quick to look so many places before I look to the word. To go many places before I go to the Lord. My experience, my knowledge, my competence. The psalmist demonstrates that because God shepherds us by his word, we need to let him hear us. By grace, I'm striving to let him hear me, to ask him to help me first. Some of you are in desperate need, and, and you know it, and you are crying out, and you may be thinking, I can't pray anymore. Or maybe you're thinking, if only I pray just a little more. Stop. Stop. This passage isn't meant to correct you. Our God is merciful. He knows your needs, and he cares. He knows we're limited. He made us this way. I'm, I'm just asking, do we all bring these needs to God? So this pleading we see and this crying, you know, Jesus lived this out. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, I want you to listen carefully to this. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. When Jesus was on earth, he was so aware of the need for God in this fallen world that he cried and he pleaded. And notice that he was heard because of his reverence. But we aren't reverent or righteous. Yet, if you've trusted him as your savior, you'll be heard too because you were reconciled to God by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Next, the psalmist says, you're going to hear my praise for your word. He says in verses 171 and 172, my lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. He's cried for understanding, he's pleaded for deliverance, and now he's looking forward to when his lips will pour forth praise and when his tongue will sing of God's word. That future praise doesn't depend on the psalmist getting everything he's asking for. And when we cry out to God, we might not get everything we ask for either. We might feel rejected like Ralphie felt for most of the Christmas story movie. I'm not trivializing those prayers. No, it's, it's hard when prayers seem unanswered. But the psalmist is hoping, expecting even, something more. He's looking forward to the goodness of God. 
He knows it's there. He knows it's coming. It hasn't all been fulfilled yet, but it's going to be really good, and it's intimately tied to God's word. And he's going to send a thank you note. He's going to praise God for it, over the top, pouring forth exuberant praise, spontaneous praise, the kind of praise that overflows during worship when the richness of the lyrics and the joy in our hearts and the move of the Spirit leads us to praise God for even more than what we're singing about. God's going to fuel his worship with the word. And knowing that, having that hope, that'll sustain him in the in-between time. In verse 171, we see that God's going to lead him to praise by teaching him the word. God teaches. God enables him to know. And that teaching will bring joy because that word is living and active. The word is the power of God and it's here for us. At New City, the Word is living and active on Sunday mornings, but also in your community groups where you're being taught the Word and putting the Word to work in your lives. And the Word's doing more than just teaching here. We see in verse 172, God's going to fuel his worship with the Word because it's right. Right. The author lets God's Word dazzle him. It's inerrant. It's excellent. You know, in, the psalm, there are, in this psalm, 119, there are many synonyms for the word of God, and they each express an aspect of its perfection. You've probably noticed the different words in this passage. The word word, right in this verse, is commandments. Commandments means doing what you're told. God has authority to tell his image bearers what to do, and obedience is the intended response to believe it and live it out. And these commandments in verse 172, they're right. They're right because God's right. These words are unlike any other words. They express God's righteous character, what he's like, and his will, what he expects and requires. Some translations say righteous instead of right. The commandments of God are the essence of righteousness. So the psalmist lets it dazzle him. And as he lets the rightness of God's word dazzle, what's going to build is desire, praise. Church, does God's word bring you to praise? I was speaking with some of your leaders this morning, and and there were many reasons to celebrate, many praises related to how God's word is at work. Um, Some shared the praise as, as you all grow together in learning about prayer, right? Praise as you seek to exalt a biblical model of church leadership as you're going through raising up elders. So the application from this section is clear. We must let God hear us. If we want what the psalmist wanted, we should plead and cry and pray, praise like he did. God wants to hear from us daily, hourly. It can't possibly be too often. Pray when we're together. Pray when we're alone. When we're happy, Bring him our happiness. When we're sad, bring him our sadness. When we fall, bring him our confession. When we are disappointed or confused or questioning or numb with grief or paralyzed with anxiety, bring it to him. And all the things that are in our lives, those things that consume our time and attention and money, bring those, those things to him too. Bring your calendar. Bring your bank account. Bring your to-do list. Bring your hobbies, your dreams, your fears. Pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer. 
Let it guide your prayers. As you read your Bible, pay attention to sections that you can pray. Mark them. Memorize them. Pray parts of this psalm. The Lord Jesus, in a moment of great weakness on the cross, cried out to God from the word, Psalm 22. Then he died and rose again so we could follow his example, empowered by his spirit, and plead and cry out to God according to his word, so let's let him hear us. Our second big point is God help me. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need him to help us. And the psalmist asked God to hear him, but now he's still desperate. His desperation is expressed in that most basic human cry, help. He says, help, I need you. Look at verse 173. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I've chosen your precepts. Let your hand be ready. That hands being ready, that conveys the idea that he needs God to be near and strong. God's not only personal, but powerful. And here's a wonder of the gospel. In Jesus, we have all the strength and nearness and help we need. Is Jesus strong enough? John 1.3 says all things were made through him. Is he near enough? Matthew 28.20 says he is with us always to the end of the age. Is he helping? Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus always lives to make intercession for those who draw near to God through him. Now, hear me. There's an important caveat. This help, this life, this salvation, this rescue, he's asking for it as one who has aligned himself with the helper. These urgent pleas are coming from a person of faith. The one who's pleading to God is following God. Look at the text. In verse 173, he requests help. For I have chosen your precepts. In verse 174, God's law is his delight. In verse 175, he asks that God's rules help him. In verse 176, he seeks rescue. For I do not forget your commandments. I find this personally challenging. How many times have I not chosen his precepts? How many times have I forgotten his commandments? How many times before God saved me, and even since I became a follower of Jesus? One recent morning, I prayed and read my Bible, and I went downstairs and promptly sinned all over my daughter with unkind words. Maybe two minutes later. Man, I'm needy. I needed help before I fell that morning, and I needed help after. Can you relate? But by grace, I know where I've chosen to find help in life. I often find myself saying something Peter said to Jesus in John chapter 6. This has been one of the most precious passages of Scripture to me. Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. It's not a matter of performance or perfection, but direction matters. I think the psalmist can relate. He's saying basically, I've trusted you, God. You've got to come through with me, for me, because that's the kind of God you are. What does he need help for? Everything. The request couldn't be any broader. Look at the things we see him pleading for in the text. First, he wants life. See in verse 175 where he says, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. Jesus saying life is pretty much all-encompassing. But it's a particular kind of life. It's 
It's soul life. Let my soul live. And again, Jesus is the final answer to the psalmist's plea. Jesus is real life for the soul. Knowing Jesus and the Father is eternal life. He wants life. He wants salvation. Look at verse 174 where he says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. He longs for salvation. Now the Bible speaks of Christian disciples as having been saved in the past, justified when we trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. But it also says God's people are being saved in the present and will be saved in the future. Songwriter Chris Rice illustrates this longing in one of his songs. Listen to these lyrics, and I'm not going to sing them. You're all I have. You're all I know. Your breath is breathing in my soul. Still, I'm gasping, aching, asking, where are you now? Because I just want to be with you. I just want this waiting to be over. I just want to be with you. And it helps to know the day is getting closer. And friends who are struggling and longing for that day, know that it's coming. Jesus will ultimately satisfy this longing with salvation in his heavenly home, our heavenly home. But right now, one way God saves us is helping us resist temptation to sin. Those rescued by Jesus are commanded to live by the Spirit and put to death a sinful way of life. And yet in this life, we each have a sinful nature and we face temptation. We need help. We need salvation. And because Jesus suffered when he was tempted but never sinned, he's able to help us when we're being tempted. Call to him. Call to him. Call to him. He hears. He understands. Where have you chosen to find help in life? There are some here who might read, I long for your salvation and wonder what he's talking about. You may be brand new to Christianity or maybe you've been going to church, you've been reading your Bible, you've been praying, and that's great. You're welcome here. But religious activity without a relationship with God won't save you. Attending church, serving Giving, as good as those things are, won't bring you reconciliation to God. Won't bring you life. God himself is the source of rescue and real soul life. Apart from God, apart from Jesus, we're without help. We need a savior from sin because sin makes us guilty before a holy God and because we don't have the power to overcome it on our own. Jesus alone can save you from sin's penalty and rule in your life. We must each receive Jesus or else we reject him. If you've never trusted him, I urge you today, ask him for mercy. Turn from your own way to him. Acknowledge and welcome him as the risen Savior you need. Confess him as the Lord of your life. The psalmist wants life. He wants salvation. He wants rescue. Hear the words of 176. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I don't forget your commandments. If I'm being honest, the first seven passages, seven verses of this passage can make me feel really immature. How, how weak is my faith, right, and, and, and my passion. This verse helps me see the psalmist shares my predicament. He says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. He's strayed. He's gotten off track somehow. Two things about this are striking. 
First, he admits he's gone astray. We need to admit it when we've gotten off track. But second, he compares himself to his sheep. As you likely know, sheep are not impressive creatures. Among their many limitations, sheep get lost easily. Sheep may run blindly after the flock, uh, away from the flock if they get scared. They might just stray because they're curious or because they're eating and not paying attention to where they're going. And this sheep is lost. But he's still a sheep, and that's a good thing because he's a sheep of the Lord. And that means he has hope of being sought and brought back. And the good shepherd, Jesus, won't lose any of his sheep. Not after he laid down his life for them. So we've come to the end of the psalm. He's pleaded, God, hear me. God, help me. But this passage isn't just eight verses in Psalm 119. It's the final eight verses. And its placement at the end is not an accident. I want you to listen to the opening verses of Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose way is blameless and who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. And see where it ends up. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. From the beginning of the psalm, we see blessedness lies in pursuing God in a blameless way to the end. But no matter how great our aspirations are to obey, to keep the Lord's word in the forefront of our minds and our lives, we remain to the end sheep. Totally dependent on God's living and active word, we need a shepherd. And he shepherds us by his word. My 25 plus years in Northern Virginia, there have been a lot of ups and downs. I've faced the death of parents, serious depression, job loss, Serious sin, relational conflict, health problems. There have been a lot of great things too, but I've gone astray and needed God to seek me so many times, and he has. He has. There have been many cries of God, hear me, and God help me, and he has. And so many of you can relate to my experience. Because God shepherds me, shepherds us by his word. We've let him hear us. We've received his help again and again. So where do you need God to hear you, to help you today? Is your life battered by some sin, worry, bitterness, ungodly anger, lust, lying, procrastination, prayerlessness, Plead for help. Say, I am yours. God, hear me. God, help me. Is it some suffering, relational rift, threat to health or maybe life? Plead for help. I am yours. Hear me. Help me. Maybe things are going well. Maybe you can't think of any needs. Maybe you feel young and strong and capable. Believe me, you have needs. Ask God to show them to you. Say, I am yours. Hear me. Help me. You can do this. You must do this. Because God desires you to come because he shepherds you by his word to come. Finally, I urge you to listen to the word. 
The word of God brings understanding and deliverance. It brings us to praise. It brings life and salvation and rescue. Some of you may not think that you read well. Some may struggle with dyslexia or some other reading disorder. You may find it really hard to develop a habit of reading the Bible. I still want to urge you to read the word, but we all can also listen to the word. We all have access to the Bible on electronic devices. We have time when we're walking or driving or working or relaxing, and we're listening to something. Listen to the Word. Listen to sermons. Listen to worship music. Listen to even Christian music that might not be worship music. Of course, we need to be discerning. Right? There's bad theology out there. But I've been immensely helped by listening to the songs of people who've let the Word work in their lives. I mentioned Chris Rice earlier. There are so many others. Listen, and what you hear, think about. And what you think about, pray about, because God shepherds you by his word. Let him hear you. Let him help you. Amen.